0: My cheeks hurt from, from cheek- smiling. <laughs> but slap a smile on your face. Okay. We're recording. We're recording. Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy
1: and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm
0: Steph. cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice,
1: diagnosis or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Emily. <laughs> Welcome to your podcast, Ali. Welcome listeners. Cancer for breakfast. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi. We're diving in. What's the haps? Let's dive in. Yeah. Let's, let's do The water's great. Um, Steph had a, something <laughs> unfortunate. My life is in shambles. Something unfortunate
0: for poor little Stephanie over here. We'd love to hear about it. Um, so my therapist quit on me and everyone. So, back up. Yeah, okay. So, it took me for fucking ever to find a therapist. Mhm. Mhm. I live in rural Washington state and the only therapist group that was contracted with my insurance locally was a Christian therapy center. Um I'm Neither Christian nor interested in Christian therapy. So that did not work for me. Mm-mm. Um, so it took me a really long time to find a provider that was taking new patients, that took my insurance, that knew anything about medical trauma or, mm-hmm. you know, life limiting illness or cancer or anything like that. And also would do telehealth because I am not local to them. So I finally found somebody and everything was going great, which, you know, if you listen to our podcast, um, she was really, uh, knowledgeable about a lot of different modalities and she, um, is anti-racist and she knew a lot about, you know, body image stuff and fat phobia. And, you know, we worked on unpacking body image issues and, internalized fat phobia. She helped me get started on somatic experiencing. And then one day she just no showed my appointment and then sent an email saying she quits therapy with any details in that email, just peace out. Uh, so the email was really like <laughs> goodbye. Um, I am not available to talk to anybody about this. Sorry, but It's true. (laughs) You know,
1: it was... And it's not even
0: individual to you. It's just all
1: of her patients are getting an email blast.
0: Right. And she did, you know, I think because she's legally obligated to give the names of some other providers. But like, I don't know these fucking people. I'm not going to be like, okay, here I am, a cancer lady, you know, just going to try any of these people out. Like, I'm not going to cold call some other therapist right after I got dumped. So... Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, my main strategy now for mental health is buying slime off the <laughs> internet. <laughs> and somatic slime. That's right. That's my new somatic experiencing is experiencing different slime textures. PeachyBabies.com drops every Friday <laughs> at 4 p.m. Is this a good time to say we're now sponsored? I fucking wish, man. I wish. Is it terrible for the
1: environment? It is. We need to start talking about slime.
0: Oh, you devil. It is terrible for the environment. In fact, I disallowed slime for my children for years because I was like, this is totally a scourge on the environment, kids. This is horrible. We're not going to participate in this. And then my youngest and I got really hooked on watching slime videos. (laughs) This is my life, you guys. This is just a peek into the state that I'm in. Yeah, this is Steph unhinged with no therapy. I'm she's raw dog in life, people. <laughs> yeah, she's burning <laughs> plastic in the bonfire. She doesn't give a crap. I'm using paper plates <laughs> at every meal. Uh, plastic I'm, cutlery. That's right. No, um, but yeah, it sucks. It's uh, going to be really damn near impossible, I think, to find another therapist that suits me. Jesus, even if you...
1: We're recommended someone that you knew was wonderful. You, you know, she, she, because it's going to be a she, let's face it. It's going to be a she. Let's just be (laughs) honest. Let's just be real here. Um, It is still so daunting to just start at the beginning. Like, yeah, go over
0: it all. Dude, it's
1: exhausting.
0: I'm not the only one that this has happened to, you know, unfortunately, I think that, I don't know. I was thinking about something my friend Chris said That's unrelated to therapy, but she was looking for somebody to help her hang wallpaper. She's an amazing photographer, by the way. Is
1: that when you emailed her and you're like, I quit. Here's the email. I know you need help hanging wallpaper. I have to quit being
0: your friend. Goodbye, Please never contact me again. Uh, No, but she had been needing to hang this wallpaper in her studio for a really long time. And she was like, people keep volunteering and then backing out. But she said the most wonderful thing. She was like, I get it. The people who are most likely to volunteer are also the people most likely to back out because of anxiety. Why? Because I think anxious people also tend to be really empathetic people. And so we want to help, but then when the time comes, we're like, oh shit,
1: I overcommitted or whatever, you know? Also, maybe I wonder too, if you volunteer to do something that's like task oriented or something to where you'll be doing something instead of just like sitting down and drinking coffee and chatting, you know, Yeah. to to have that social interaction where it's like, okay, we're going to be digging in the garden. I could,
0: you know. Right. Right. But anyway, I was, I was thinking about that and thinking about how it, seems to make sense to me that therapists would also be people with trauma and with, you know, a history of mental illness themselves and so Can we just say that you looked at her Instagram?
1: <laughs> you wanted an answer. You're like I wonder if she said anything online about why she has packed her bags and left us.
0: Yeah, I mean I was like did somebody get arrested? Did she lose her license? Like Yeah. Are my medical records safe. (laughs) I don't know. Is she she writing a book about me? (laughs) (laughs) But no, I did find her on Instagram and I, you know, like, whatever, I'm trying to be empathetic because I am a human person and she's a human person. And it does seem like she's going through something, but. But she also said that the reason she went into
1: psychology is to help people because she had such a heavy load on her and so much trauma that she wanted to go help people. And then now she's leaving because she has trauma.
0: I know. I just feel like people need to work out their shit before they take on a full slate of patients that rely on them. Yes. It's criminal and it's irresponsible. (sighs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel for her, obviously I feel for anybody clearly with trauma, with heavy loads that's taken on too much, but like, is there like a two month break she could take right before it completely hits the fan and she no shows your appointment with no warning. Is there any sort of let me pause and get this back on,
0: you know? I mean, the wording that she used was like an indefinite hiatus. So fuck if I know if she's ever coming back, I don't want her as my therapist anymore, even if she does. But like, I do think that there has to be some personal responsibility there. Where you see it coming, you need to be in touch with yourself enough to take responsibility for your own care before you leave everybody else in the lurch. And like, as I said, I have deep empathy for her as a human. I like her a lot as a person, but I'm also really fucking pissed. Yeah. And now I'm stuck. Like, I'm not an uncomplicated mental health patient either. Like I have a history of childhood trauma. I have a history of adolescent trauma, like to go through another person and spill all of that on top of being like, hi, I'm dying of cancer. Like Mm -hmm. it's just so fucking exhausting. Mm -hmm. So on Instagram I asked in our stories, like, hey, does anybody want to talk about therapy and how it's helped you or if you've had a bad experience You know, because I really needed somebody to pull me out of the like, fuck therapy. I'm never doing therapy again mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was taking my ball and going home. (laughs) (laughs) And we got, we got some good responses. We actually got a lot of responses. So I kind of cherry picked some that I thought would be cool to share. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Do you want me to read these first two? Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Let me read these first two
0: and then you
1: read the long one. Okay. So. Uh, Camille responded and she's Circus Citra on Instagram. Um, She says, finding the right therapist can also be so exhausting. Having to spill, oh my gosh, exactly what you were just saying. Having to spill your guts to someone just to not feel a connection and have to start all over again. I also wish that I knew that talk therapy is just one type of therapy. Somatic and art therapy are huge for me. Yeah. Imagine also starting over again and then not liking them.
0: Right. And that's the thing is like the most important thing We we have a really wonderful therapist in our Facebook group. And she always tells that to people like the most important thing to the therapeutic relationship is, I mean, obviously I'm sure she means besides the person <laughs> being like capable is that yeah. you have a connection with them, you know, like it's a good fit. Yeah. And that's
1: also something that when you get recommended somebody from a friend or Somebody, you know, that doesn't always translate. Yeah. Yeah. There can be like personality things that like you need to open up to somebody that maybe your friend doesn't. Yeah. Okay. This next one says, I had an oncology psychologist through cancer care who was a two-time cancer survivor. He was the real shit. I miss him every day. He retired during COVID two Januarys ago. He saved my ass, really helping me figure out how to navigate treatment. My favorite statement of his was, Karen, you have to drive the bus.
0: You have to drive the bus. You do. You have to be in charge. Here are some tools. (laughs) Yeah. Not from us, from go find some tools. <laughs> we don't have them. <laughs> Sorry. We don't have them. I've got slime. <laughs> Wash your hands first, though. Okay. Um, so this is a longer one. This is from our friend Beth. And she says When I was first diagnosed, I was seeing a therapist for parenting stress, and it was actually great for that. The cancer stuff, not so much. The session I told her, she started chanting, cancer is the answer. Cancer is (gasps) the answer. And had this whole theory that I don't depend on people enough and cancer was going to cure me of that. What? I was flabbergasted. Yeah, so are we, dude. Um, But I kept going back because it's hard to find LGBTQ allied providers. And we had been clicking for a few months. Fuck yeah, it is. It's really hard. Um, she ended up being weirdly directive about how to handle things. I found out I was having a mastectomy and only had a few days to prepare. I had a session with her, not even 48 hours before. And she told me I absolutely must do a naked photo shoot to preserve images of myself pre surgery, or I would really regret it. Which when I was scrambling to cover childcare and meals and surgery requirements was not the space I was in at all. She also told me when I struggled about reconstruction that I knew that I needed to get deep flap, that people who stayed flat weren't really in touch with their bodies. What? I didn't get it because of her, but it was hard to separate out those thoughts from my own feelings. I don't know how I would feel if I'd stayed flat, but I've regretted deep flap a lot for me personally. Wow. Whoa. Give me this person's phone number. I just want to talk. <laughs> Yeah, this is rough. See, everybody brings their own shit. Therapist too. Yeah. Cancer is the answer. Oh my God. Okay, so she goes on. I tried other therapists and usually just got overwhelmed blank stares. One told me we had to start with my earliest childhood traumas and work up to cancer, so I tried that. It was a long mess and we never got to the cancer stuff. Months later, right before we ended, literally never having spoken about cancer, She told me she hoped I'd stop choosing to see myself as a cancer survivor and that I was choosing to put myself in the victim role by doing so. So not lots of good experiences until my current therapist. She doesn't specialize in medical stuff, but she's simply willing to listen, validate, and offer the unconditional support that helps in most of life's situations. She said, I'm really honored to be here and help hold you together right now. And even though she can't do anything but say that, it was so different than my other experiences. It just meant so much to me. We did an inner peaceful place meditation, and they're so cheesy, but it totally helped. I'm thankful for the therapists who get it and don't understand why there aren't more. It doesn't seem to be that big of an ask. Like specializing in medical trauma would be nice, but why can't more therapists just sit with the feelings of a cancer scare or cancer diagnosis? I feel like they should, considering it seems like almost everyone I know has cancer or has a close person with cancer and half those people, the cancer people are young slash have other complicating factors. Yeah. I mean, all of this is wild, but it's also like, it's shocking to to us to hear it like said out loud, but I am not surprised at all Mm -hmm. that she experienced that in therapy because therapists are just people and A lot of people are really stupid about cancer. (laughs) Oh, my God. Cancer is the answer. What in the hell? Right? Can you imagine? Do you think that person like went home and was like, "Ah, babe, do you think I should have um, (laughs) chanted cancer is the answer? Do you think that was?
1: I mean, it rhymed. So I just kind
0: of couldn't let that go when
1: I, you know, had figured out the (laughs) rhyme. It was sort of.
0: She didn't seem to love it, but maybe, I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh man. Wild
1: ass stuff here. Yeah. Well, you still have a therapist. Oh, uh, yeah, I do. And I'm not trying to rub that in your face. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> uh, I do. In solidarity with you, I am now stopping seeing her four times or every week, I guess. And I'm seeing her every other week just so that I don't get too therapied if you're not getting any. (laughs) Too (laughs) on therapy. No, I did. I cut it back because I just feel like I'm in a pretty good spot with things. And you know, I mean, we always find things to talk about, but oftentimes I go in thinking, I don't know what the heck I'm going to talk about today.
0: Yeah. And also Amy though, here's, here's the thing too, is you've made some really amazing positive changes in your life that I want to applaud you for. And I think that that has to be helping too, helping your frame of mind. Like mm-hmm. I love to see you, you know, investing in yourself and yeah. Anyway, I'm really proud of you. And I'm so glad that now you're, now you're totally cured. Congrats. Thank you.
1: <laughs> um, I do feel a little bit like, you know, doing this podcast is, interesting because you know as somebody who's now been out of treatment for almost three years is that what it will be this summer yeah um it is kind of that thing where it's like it doesn't go away but it becomes more livable and like the fact that we have listeners who have been with us for the same amount of time that like we're going through treatment when we first started and and now we're, you know, in their yeah. survivorship mode or whatnot. Right. Like, I don't know if I feel a, not responsibility because I don't, like whatever, but like, I just feel like if I can move forward a bit and still talk about it and still be a part of this, but not be so just like consumed by it consumed and defined by essentially what is fear right cuz it's yeah, not yeah then hopefully people who are new in it and are listening aren't saying oh my god that bitch is 3 years out and she's still talking like this and I'm like just <laughs> you know like if I'm talking like yeah. her you know so it's like it does get better it does get better
0: it can get better right right i think it's so important for people to see it and that also it happened for you with some hard work and you're a normal person you know like i think that your experience of taking time to process and deal with everything you went through obviously is an ongoing thing too it's not like you're totally done processing it but i think more people than not will have a similar experience when they go through cancer and you know they're A number of years out, it's still going to be something that was defining for a period of your life and may continue to be defining for you. And that's okay. Like you don't have to get over it. We would like it if you would be able to function, Mm -hmm. you know, and not constantly live in fear. But Amy, you've shown like really steady progress. And I think you don't give yourself enough credit for that. You know, like you're not a scared little bunny muffin that (laughs) you know you were when I found you when you were a year out from your diagnosis I still like couldn't google
1: things I was always like nope nope you have to vet it for me you have to read it
0: it might say you know
1: now I'm like just I'll read anything at any given moment yeah I'm like hmm that's interesting yeah well thanks
0: hey no problem is this where you, is this the last time I'm going to hear from you? Are you going to ghost me too? Here's the phone number to some other podcasters. i going to get the email. Um,
1: no. Damn you. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul, baby. <laughs> um, can I read a letter? Yeah. And then we'll move on until the ratsies. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this letter is a response letter from, we read, um, something from this woman. Liliana do it do we say her name last time is it okay to use her name oh I bet it is okay I think it's fine all right well she's who wrote about her 70-something Italian mother whose um surgeon said she needed to lose weight mm-hmm. before Va fun cool <laughs> before receiving life-saving health care Um, so anyways, she writes back and she says, thank you so much for reading my letter. Uh, thank you for the support and the kind words. I just wanted to share some potentially Ratsworth material that I happened upon on the subject of fat tissue and cancer. Fun fact, organ surrounding fat might even be protective to the organs in question. And the reason why some fat cancer patients fare better than thin ones. It seems like the chicken and the egg relationship between fatness and survival may still need to be determined. But I find it fascinating, and by that I mean infuriating. That doctors are always saying some thin people are thin because of underlying diseases, confounding the relationship between weight and survival. And never, some fat people are fat because of underlying diseases, confounding the relationship between weight and survival. Mm -hmm. More on this topic in the words of the Maintenance Phase podcast by Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs. Do you know of it? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I sometimes... I love this. I sometimes fantasize that you all are friends and that you will do a crossover episode sometime soon. Sending hugs, Liliana. Oh my gosh. We love that podcast.
0: Yeah. I maintenance phase. I love maintenance phase. I love Aubrey Gordon. She is your fat friend. Um, That's her moniker. I um really wish we were friends with them. That would be cool, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> call us, call us, Aubrey, Michael, yeah, I mean, it's a great podcast. It is a great podcast, and what Liliana says is totally true,, uh, and we've said this before. If you're fat, it's because of a moral failing, right? It's because you can't stop shoving cheeseburgers in your mouth. Mm -hmm. It's not because of an underlying health issue. But if you're thin, it's like, oh, God, that's not your fault. Mm -hmm. It's just your metabolism. Yeah. And interestingly, there is some research that suggests a lot of cancer is metabolic. You know, it's a metabolic disorder. So I don't know. I think that it's true what she says, that a lot more research is needed. But we have to get over this hurdle that keeps fat people marginalized and out of research. Mm -hmm. And I don't I'm not trying to, like, compare race and weight or anything, but because obviously, like, in particular, black people have much poorer outcomes due to the remaining and thriving, unfortunately, racism in our institutions, our health institutions, our science institutions, everything. But I do think it's it's kind of in a similar vein where, you know, for so long, Black people were thought to be, you know, have like higher pain tolerance and all of this bullshit. So they were left out of studies, which meant that we learned so much less about them and they weren't invited to participate in things that could have saved their lives. And, you know, they were used as these guinea pigs for unsafe studies and things like that. And I think that fatness um, suffers from kind of a similar problem, which is that people just think it's like, oh, well, too bad for you. Mm -hmm. Or like, we don't want you because you'll throw off our results. Or we don't want you because there's obviously something wrong with you. And we do know that oncologists say purposeful weight loss when you're in treatment, active treatment is typically not recommended because you need a buffer, you need nutrients, you need some fat stores. Mm -hmm. When things take a turn Mm -hmm. because the thinner you are the faster you waste away just like sorry to be so blunt but damn straight i hope liliana's mama is okay um i hope she's doing all right she got her surgery i know update us privately liliana we won't we won't raid your business but
1: um yeah or let us know if you want us to share it um, and also I sprung this letter on stuff today. So I really doubt you have a rats prepared on the subject of fat tissue and cancer. Do you, you don't. I do not. Sadly. <laughs> I, know I mean, there is like a one in a zillion chance.
0: I've gone through a lot of um, radiation and, you know, Lots of machines, but sadly, it has not made me psychic yet.
1: Damn. Um, I will blame your therapist. <laughs> Some, it's got to be her fault. I think so.
0: Everything's her fault today. Safe to say. Safe to say.
1: Um, but can we say that we will do
0: a Rats on that coming up sometime? Hell yeah. Yeah. I would love to. Love to hear that. All right. You want to hear my Rats? Yes. I do have a Rats for you. This is special request from our friend Flora. So Flora, this goes out to you. What's up, Flora! And I don't know if all of our listeners are dialed in to this kind of media, but famous woman Maria Menounos has been doing the media circuit about her pancreatic cancer. Oh, yes. And, um... I find the way that it's being spun to be pretty inflammatory, I think, or maybe not even inflammatory, but just very dramatic because it says stuff like Maria Menounos reveals pancreatic cancer diagnosis while expecting baby. With a baby on the way. With a baby on the way. Right. Um, And okay, sure, those things are both technically true. Okay. But I feel, as does our pal Flora, and not coincidentally, as does the major pancreatic cancer foundation in the United States, that Maria Menounos should have been a little bit more specific when she said she had pancreatic cancer because what she really has or had It's something called pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors. Okay. And that's a very different thing than the pancreatic cancer we know and hate as the absolutely devastating diagnosis that very few people survive.
1: That killed my grandfather.
0: Yeah, killed my friend. It's, It's a horrible, horrible diagnosis. Pancreatic cancer is very hard to detect early. And usually it's undetected until you are metastatic and it is incurable. The overall survival um, is is dismal, very dismal, for pancreatic cancer as we know it. Um, But pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors are a totally different beast. Basically, um, treatment for pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor is very different. Usually, the main option is surgery. Uh, The tumor is usually confined to the pancreas. Mm -hmm. And the tumor is usually resectable. That means they can take out the pancreas and oftentimes the spleen. Mm-hmm. Um, if the cancer affects the head of the pancreas, you might have to get a Whipple procedure, which involves removing the cancer and um, either part or most of your pancreas. Uh, there's also a radioactive injection situation called PRRT that some people go through. There's also targeted therapy, kind of similar to what I take, the Um, There's uh, radiofrequency ablation. And in very few situations, doctors might recommend chemotherapy, but typically it's not needed for this p cancer. Um, it's much more survivable. The survival rates are, I want to say, 10 times that of what trad- traditional, I don't know, quote unquote, pancreatic cancer is. And Maria Menunos does not distinguish between pancreatic cancer and this peanut that she has gone through, which no doubt is a horrible experience, right? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for people with peanut, it seems like they feel that their cancer is understudied, underfunded because people don't make this distinction often enough. Right. And pancreatic cancer itself, because it is so devastating, gets a lot of funding, a lot of research, mm. a lot of, you know, races for the cure and right. all, all kinds of stuff. So it must really suck to have one of these rarer cancers and see an opportunity for people to talk about it and that not happen. Apparently, peanut is also what Steve Jobs had. Okay. Can I say just? I know we don't like talking about stats
1: and such things, um, but just to prove this point that the five-year survival rate for um, the this kind of pancreas pancreas NET that is not spread to other parts of the body um, is ninety-five percent, and then yeah. pancreatic cancer, um, the five-year survival rate across the board is twelve percent, which is a huge difference. I mean. It's a huge difference. These are two completely different bees.
0: Yeah. So, um, the pancreatic cancer action network has really been on top of this. I'm going to include an article from them. Um, so grateful that there are these foundations that work so hard to spread awareness for these, you know, lesser known cancers.
1: Yeah. So it is like, um, from the media standpoint, the way they're framing the story is, oh my God, oh my God, she had this terrible, 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 not that the kind she had isn't terrible, clearly, if it has spread yeah, in her particular situation, much less terrible, but she's letting that just get run amuck as the story of like, oh my goodness, you know, and, and right. It's much more dramatic. You bring up also, the expecting a baby. Yeah tell us it's about that. Surrogacy. It's a surrogacy. So she's it's, not pregnant, but they, it's written in the way to be like this. Okay. Yeah. It's right. sensationalized. So, uh, and she could have been using this to spread awareness of like, thank God we caught this early. Here's this disease that you want to catch early and here's what it
0: is. Right. And so th- the deal with uh, peanut it originates from the endocrine cells of the pancreas, which is, is different. So the pancreas has two jobs. Um, not Steve Jobs. It, <laughs> not anymore. It hey! doesn't. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Am I going to make you cut um, that?
1: Mm.
0: Nah. <laughs> it's okay. We'll let it pass. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and without a therapist. <laughs> Um, so the pancreas has two jobs. One is, uh, making enzymes that break down food. And then the other, the endocrine function is hormones, right? Blood sugar Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, um, the endocrine one is, is the one that's less bad. So that's what Maria Menounos has. That's what Steve Jobs had. Um, Obviously, we don't want anybody to have either one, but peanut is less than 10% of the overall pancreatic cancer diagnoses every year. Um, and yes, Maria Menounos credits her amazing uh, surgery only no chemo recovery to early detection, but the fact of the matter is the early detection for all, all pancreatic cancers is really very hard to accomplish. So, um, I'm going to share all of these articles from the pancreatic cancer action network, um, other organizations that tell you how you can make sure if you have a family history of any of these kinds of cancers, um, and also keep a lookout for Peanut because it's no joke either. Um, obviously, Flora, we love you. We're not trying to dismiss your terrible cancer. And the fact is, too, that when it's metastatic, it it is devastating. So um, bless you, Maria Menunos. We're glad you don't have the more deadly cancer. Mm-hmm. But I also think you may be trying to spin this because you've got a podcast out. So um, <laughs> who am I to talk? Because I have a podcast, too. But... <laughs> And I'm using my cancer <laughs> to promote my podcast, but um, you're going to get a job yeah. on E if you keep talking. Oh my God. I wish. Could you imagine? I'll get some like lip filler. <laughs> I'll get some mixed hair extensions. Yeah. Moving on up, baby. Who needs therapy? So um, anyway, big difference between peanut and pancreatic cancer proper. Big difference between expecting a baby and with being pregnant with a baby. A cancer diagnosis going through your body. Okay. Yeah. But, but let's be honest here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Honesty and reporting, please, Maria Menunos. That's what we strive for. It happens
1: all the time, though. All the time with any famous person it's being it does, yeah. We should get a job being the fact checkers for any article. <laughs> like seriously, if we just had yeah. like five large publications, just anytime they're going to write about cancer, just send it to us to where we can
0: be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't mind if people want to exploit cancer to a greater end, like, <laughs> but, but I, I want that greater end to be More research, (laughs) driving funding to understudied cancers and things like that. Not like trying to hawk snake oil and stuff. So I don't know, kind of bummed on that one. And, um, I know some of our listeners, including Flora were bummed on that peanut oversight also. So anyway, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to learn more about peanut and give some money to the pancreatic cancer action network. If you feel like it, um, obviously if you're a cancer person, you don't have to do that, but solicit your friends and neighbors, um, and Yeah, let's, let's try to make sure that we're holding our media accountable for reporting correctly on cancer because it really hurts people when they don't. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. That's right. Uh,
1: Send us your letters. Mm -hmm. Why don't you? We're all caught up on letters. I think if you haven't heard a letter that you wrote us and we haven't read it. Yeah, send it again. Send it again or email us. Tap us on the shoulder because that must have been our
0: mistake. Especially because we lost our Instagram, you know, our old Instagram. So if you sent a letter like to us there or something, we didn't get it.
1: Um, Cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Oh, oh, this. We have to do a little quick thanks. We have a new Patreon. (gasps) Patreon. um named maria menounos no (laughs) go um well first we have a new buy me a coffee jess tholmer (gasps) babe did you know did you know i didn't know Um, we have a new patreon as well thank you so
0: much mary mckee Thanks, Mary. Hey, Patreon people. You, I, I am rolling out a newsletter. I'm just going to fucking say it. I'm rolling out oh, a newsletter. Oh, snap. For Patreon subscribers. Um, Become a patron. Yeah. Patron? Patron? One, patron? Patron? What do they say? I, I just know. don't know. Patron. Patron. I think they want you to say Patreon or... It's actually spelled patron. And I just noticed. That's why I start questioning. Okay. Well, anyway... I'm rolling out a newsletter once a month. Um, I'm going to include some stuff about the rats that I covered, some actual tidbits. Can can, we give it to our buy me a coffees too? That's what I'm wondering. If you are a buy me a coffee person every month, we're going to figure that out. Cause obviously you deserve it too. Um, so maybe we'll We'll just, yeah, we'll figure it out. So anyway, it's easiest to start, um, with, uh, Patreon. So send us an email if you're a buy me a coffee person and you want in on the newsletter too. Um, hopefully it'll get better and better as the months go by, but, um, look for it in your email boxes. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. Love you guys. Breakfast is hosted by Amy Dials and Stephanie Lajaness and produced by Nathan McGehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir.
1: Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.